previously on the Loyal Littles podcast. Well, Dan, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming back on the Loyal Littles podcast. We're going to have to do this again. Yeah. Do you have one of those rapid fire question things (laughs) that Saliza got to do? I think I did one before, but I I don't think it was very good. Cups in your cupboard, up or down? Down. Down. Okay. (laughs) Try to think what else. Okay, glassware down, cups with handles up. All right, let me ask you a few. Okay. Okay. Um, Maze or Aaron? That, come on, that's not fair. <laughs> Isn't it? Welcome back to the Loyal Littles Podcast. On the WTFC Podcast Network. Hey, Roxy. Hey, Chuck. Hey, Littles. Roxy, 140th episode. What? Yeah. No way. Big day. What? We're not going to take up too much time on the front end of this episode because we are just so excited about our guests. Yeah. We want to get right to it. Yeah. But as always, we will do our emails and stuff like that first. But very first, August <laughs> 6th, Summer of Littles, just go. Yeah. Saturday, August 6th, go to summeroflittles.com for all your information. If you want to host, if you want to go, just go. Go. It's great. Be We've there. Done. Be square. That is the one thing Roxy and I have done as Littles. Yeah. I mean, we actually have, we actually hosted last year at yeah. Hurley's here in New York City with Maeve and it was fantastic. We had such a great time. We had the best time. Do it. Be a host. Go to summerlittles.com. Reach out to Bob Walsh. Whatever you have to do. Yeah. Just make sure you get there. <laughs> so sorry. We're just so excited. Yeah. We're, we're kind of speechless here. I so. know. We're coming up on the summer. So yeah. I mean, and this episode, I'm just, yeah, this is great. All right. First of all, some cleanup on aisle Chuck here, I guess we'll call it. Shout out to Neil from Rockville. He was also apparently a very big contributor to all the stuff on the big show about Wendy Rieger, that yeah. tribute they did. So oh, yeah. uh, we practically thanked everyone but him. Oh, no. Uh, so well, I wrote to him. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know. I We did our episode before. I heard yeah. stuff on the big show after that. So anyway, I wanted to give him a quick shout out. And then some people wrote in. We're just going to start with this to clean this up a little bit. The whole Dan Byrne sequence that we put together for his five mediocre minutes. <laughs> okay. So what happened was, for those of you who remember, and you listen to the big show, I'm assuming you do. He wrote this great jingle about how it's kind of, I can't remember the exact name. I'm sorry, Dan Bird, but it was something about it's rough to be a little on a Saturday, yeah. Saturday and Sunday, because there's no big show. Right. So I just lovingly fun, just tweeted at him and I said, you know, Mr. Byrne, with the Loyal Littles podcast, it's not so much harder to be a little on a Saturday and Sunday because yeah. quite often we drop episodes on the weekend. Yeah. And that was the whole point. Hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives them something else to listen to. And so he actually was like, oh, man, I missed the boat on that. He wrote right <laughs> back. He was great. He wrote to us. And he said, oh, man, I missed the boat. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, no, 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 nothing to be sorry about. And that's where this all started from. He's like, well, I'll see what I can do. I'll try to get you a plug on the big show. So we were like, okay, th- that'd that's be great. Cool. That'd be great. And little did we know that he was going to turn it into like a full-blown song. Right. Had no idea. I thought he was just going to like sneak it into as like a reference into one of his songs. So, yeah. So that's how that all came about. And then he came up with the idea of us locking him in a basement (laughs) until he got us. Yeah, I'm not quite sure where that came from. I don't know. We we don't even have a basement. That's what she means. Yeah. We can't do that. We don't have a basement here. Like... (laughs) Of our own. Right, right. Where we could actually lock someone up in. and uh, But yeah, so he turned it into that where we were keeping him in our basement until he got us a shout out on the big show. But once again, thank you, Dan Byrne, for coming on for Five Mediocre Minutes. Thank you for writing that. That was really sweet. And it was a nice try. He did send it into the big show, he said. And of course, understandably, they just just didn't play it. So (laughs) I'm just thrilled that he's obviously still in good graces because since then he's written another one, of course, and that has been played. Oh, yeah. So I'm just glad Nigel didn't say like, what are you doing, man? Mm -hmm. We're not playing any of this garbage Mm -hmm. about the Loyal Littles podcast (laughs) on the big show. 
that would be nice, but that's right, okay. Maybe right. someday, maybe someday. Anyway, so then we also heard from, we got tweeted at by Dina in Damascus, and I believe this was her thing. She's the one that shared the Air Portal, it's called. It's called Air Portal. That is the new Wordle. I, I don't know how <laughs> new it is. It's like every day there's a different one. Yeah. You know, I hate that Speaking that of happens. Wordle, I haven't done mine today yet. You know, I just don't get it. Why does everything have to be so saturated you know it's like someone comes up with a really clever idea and then everyone has to jump on it yeah so now there's like a wordle for everything probably right that we don't even know about right anyway so there it's called air portal it's a-i-r-p-o-r-t-l-e and it's the game with the airport codes you only get three letter chances right well that's all they are yeah yeah it's three letters and it's the same thing you know if you hit one you get six well, yeah, you get six tries. Yeah. But it's three letters right. each. So it's hard. That's really hard. And if you know your airport codes, I guess it's not too bad, but I didn't. No, because you could start with any of them and. Yeah. I mean, I tried run, one time and I got two out of the three letters. I didn't get it. Mm. I'll, full disclosure, I didn't get it in my six tries and I haven't played since. Right. Because I don't really know my airport codes <laughs> as been broadcast on this podcast. So. That's interesting with all the travel you've done. I guess it's been a lot on well, I buses, know, but... Well, I know a lot. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I know, no, I'm but sure. you know how many airport right. codes there are? Uh, See, that's I mean, true. I'm guessing... Is this out of the entire world? I think. I don't know. Oh. Honestly, I don't even think it gave me the answer when I missed it. Do they normally tell no, you? No, I don't know. They I don't. don't know how that works. So I don't even know what the final answer was to even like look up that airport code. But I thought it was clever and it was a great tweet because of the topic we've had for the last oh, couple yeah. episodes yeah. about airport codes. Anyway. Cool. Roxy, we have some Sully quotes. Uh-oh. Now, <laughs> we don't have a segment for this yet. <laughs> you know, This is definitely not What Now Sully. Oh, but, it's um, not? No, 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 no. It's definitely not What Now Sully. It might be something else. Okay. We'll Sully says. Sully says. that You had that before, actually. <laughs> I did. Maybe this could be Sully says. <laughs> okay, so he's just randomly commenting on past episodes. And the first one was the, I'm going to say it, the great Chris Eliza episode. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's just mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Oh, it was yeah. So nice of him to we come on. We had a great on. time. But from the last episode, he quoted me saying, quote, I never thought we'd have Chris Saliza on the podcast. And you shouldn't have. <laughs> I mean, I disagree. Now, was that and you shouldn't have or oh, you shouldn't have? No. Yeah, I don't think that's. The oh, one. go on. No, I don't think that's the one. Roxy. <laughs> All right. Next quote from Sully says, <laughs> little Chuck to Dan Byrne, quote, we're both musicians here. Conveniently not mentioning the drama part of that. I will say this. We had a fantastic time with Dan. We yeah. spoke, you know, the, the segment's called Five Mediocre Minutes. We realize that most times it's at least 10 minutes yeah, or so. Yeah, yeah. We talked for over 45 minutes. So Chuck here had to do some editing. <laughs> down, and I felt bad for cutting some of the stuff out. But yeah, we had some good times. And we, of course, talked about that stuff. He asked all about my last production I did of Cheek yep. to Cheek and all that stuff. And so mm-hmm. we did talk a lot about drumming and just stuff in general about the theater. And I don't yeah. think I can disclose some of the maybe... I don't know, Rox. I better not. He has some irons in the fire. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. He has some really cool irons in the fire of things that might have to do with New York City. Yeah. I don't want to say too much. Just the littles. Keep your fingers crossed yeah, for keep these your fingers crossed. irons in the fire. And uh, <laughs> hopefully you'll be hearing more about that at some point soon. Mm-hmm. So, but again, yeah. Thank you, Dan Bird, of course, for coming on. And yeah, we did talk a lot off air. And also the recording I had was literally like really 40, long. 45 minutes long. <laughs> Could have been its own podcast. I mean, he just kept asking us questions it was so much fun we had so much fun there he loves his rapid fire he does he loves the (laughs) rapid fire so we're gonna have to come up with some new ones i think yeah so when we have him on again at some point we'll have to have some new ones so Mm -hmm. all right and then roxy we had another email right yep this is from patrick smith 
Smitty and, Scoop. Yes. He says, hey, I Chuck. I know. Hey, Chuck and Roxy. I need a David Aldridge moment ruling from you. I recently heard a tweet from Todd Takei read on the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. Whoa, wait. Stop yeah, there. Wait. That's cool. Todd Takei got an email read on the base- Appar- Buster Olney? Apparently. I have a great Buster Olney story. Apparently. Then he goes on to say, I immediately said to myself, hey, that is Todd Takei. Is this a David Aldridge moment? I know Todd from the TK show because he is a legendary little. So when I heard Todd on a different podcast, it felt very strange. What do we call this experience if it isn't a David Aldridge moment? Hmm. Hmm. Well, look, after his great Meet the Littles interview, I defer to Mark Schaefer on this. Oh, right. Now, if you miss that episode, Mark Schaefer, it was called, Would You Like Some Fries with Those 76 Hot Dogs? It was obviously <laughs> our July 4th. It was, I think it was released on July 6th, 2021. And it's episode number 66. So mm-hmm. make sure you head on over there and listen to that. That's when we got to meet Mark Schaefer. And he went into this whole thing about this very thing. Yes. About how we were all doing it wrong or most of us were doing it wrong. Yeah. And I don't remember what he said, but I don't want to miss. I don't it. remember. See, to me, that would be a David Aldridge I moment. don't know. David Aldridge well enough to know what a David Aldridge <laughs> well, it's in referring moment to really the, is. No, to I know. TK show right, and, and right. Tony's thing. I know people call him DA. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, I don't know, Smitty. I don't know what to say. Littles, what say you? WTFC, podnet at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Is that a David Aldridge moment? I think Maybe it is. It but could be. Like I said, I just keep thinking of Mark Schaefer because he dropped major yeah, knowledge on, on yeah. us that day on that episode. Yeah. He was saying how like most of the littles we were totally had it wrong. Yeah, that's not a. It DA was like moment. using it too much, right, or something. I don't right. remember. Anyway, go back, listen to episode sixty six, and you can hear all about it. We'll try to get the answer for you, but Roxy, let's just let's get out of here. Let's go. Let's go. Let's freaking let's go. Let's go. We are so excited <laughs> for our one hundred and fortieth special guest coming up right after the break. Hello, friends. You're listening to the Loyal Littles Podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. A tradition unlike any other. Don't cry, don't tear, don't fall apart. When I'm near, you're all yours now, and yours now you should stay. All your problems and all your fears, I've had enough of them over the being played in this episode by a good friend of the podcast Dante Mazzetti and this song is called All Yours Now and it's off his Lost and Drifting album now if you like what you hear you can find him everywhere iTunes Bandcamp all over the place just go and search Dante Mazzetti or the easiest place to find him is on his website that is DanteMazzetti.com that is D-A-N-T-E-M-A-Z-Z-E-T-T-I.com And as always, we'll play the full song, All Yours Now, at the end of the podcast. All right, all you loyal littles. You ready, Roxy? I'm ready. We are so excited for this one. We're just going to jump into it. Please welcome to the podcast, Jean McManus. Hey, Jean, how's it going? Hey, well, it's going very well, but I want to say this before we begin. 
mm-hmm. Chuck and Rox. He said, it is very open-minded of you to have me on your show. <laughs> Gee, why is that? <laughs> well, Chuck, I know you're a musician, and Roxy, you're a dancer. Mm-hmm. And my feelings about Broadway musicals have been well documented. <laughs> yes, they have. <laughs> oh, I'm not a fan. Now, let me amplify. I am a fan of musicians and of dancers and of music and of dance. I just don't like the phony baloney stories that they drum up around the great music and the great dancing. Absolutely. I understand that. And there are times when I I completely agree. (laughs) Absolves me in a little bit. (laughs) Well, we definitely want to get into that. Because, well, we could just start there. We could do this out of order and just go there. I mean, because I have similar opinions when it comes, because Roxy knows this, when we first met and started dating. (laughs) I have a problem with actresses that like to act. Or actors. Or actors. That's true. That like to act off stage. Yeah. Drives me freaking crazy. They don't have an off switch. And they don't realize that when they're off stage, that's when you turn the switch off. But in their defense, sometimes I understand you're at a party, you're meeting big people and representatives. Sure, but when you're out in the park with friends and you're still, you've got that switch on, it's like maybe tone it down a little bit. Right. (laughs) Do you think they ever turn it off? I mean, do they go home at night and open the refrigerator and get a beer and turn it off then, or does it still keep going? I don't know. know. I don't. No, that's. I've dated a few. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. so yes, occasionally I, I do feel like, yeah. 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 I actually dated one, but she would wear stage makeup 24-7, including the fake eyelashes. Why? And you got to give your face a breather. Nope. <laughs> Only when she Open went to bed. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Only when she went to bed. Wow. And even it took her a while before when we started dating for like mm. the first two, three weeks, if I came over or whatever, she would have it on. Well, I can understand that. I mean, I used to like mm, not like this sneak out and like brush my teeth in the morning. Okay, you that's know? fine. But I mean, um, this is like full on stage makeup, yeah. fake eyelashes yeah, no. the whole night. Yeah, it was just wow. too much. Yeah. Wow. Now I'm curious. Have you ever had to be like that when you're going like after a story or something? Oh yes. Mm-hmm. I mean yes. I mean I have had to hide personal feelings. I sure. mean I've had to restrain myself from reacting to some sexist. Comment, <laughs> remark, yeah. absolutely. Somebody mansplaining Ugh. something. Yeah. I mean, just had to practically cut my tongue out several times because, you know, as my boss, the great George Solomon, always said, think of our readers first, not your own ego. Right. You know, it's like when they were shutting women out of the locker rooms and sometimes. Other reporters would, in solidarity, say, well, we're not going into the locker room because they're shutting out the women, which was a very noble endeavor. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, George would say, we'll deal with that problem later, but anybody who could get in the locker room to ask the question, go on in there right now. So, I mean, you have to think of the greater good. Yeah, that's very challenging. Very challenging. All right, well, listen, why don't we now do our normal? Because people (laughs) want to get to meet you. Yeah. And we'll come back to the Broadway stuff for sure, though, because I've got okay. some more questions. Can you take us back? Where did you grow up? I mean, because obviously, you know, we had Crystal is on not too long ago. And he actually started with like, well, my biographies kind of come out on the big show. That's what we call the big show. Mm-hmm. They're the big show. We're the little show. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people do know, but a lot of people don't. So could you take us back? Where did you grow up? High school and things like that. And did you always want to do what you're doing and stuff like that? Okay. So I grew up in Washington, D.C. I was born and raised here. And on 
mom's side, I'm a fifth generation Washingtonian and we go way back. Unfortunately, we go way back on the wrong side of town, but that's nevertheless, <laughs> everything worked out okay in the end. And I was one of four kids. I'm the third of four, the well-adjusted one. <laughs> um, and grew up in Catholic schools, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, Catholic women's college. And of course, I'm Tony's, actually I'm a year older than Tony, but I was just at the beginning of the baby boom. And my Catholic grade school had two classes of first graders, two classes of second graders, et cetera. Each class had 55 children, so 110 in each first grade. And at the front of the class was one nun, one nun, (laughs) 55 children. Wow. So you want to talk about learning crisis management, that was an early education for me. Wow. So yeah, so I went to college, and the horrible thing about being a woman going to college in the 60s was that you had no career expectations. The great thing about being a woman in college in the 60s was that you had no career expectations. (laughs) So I just studied whatever I wanted to study. I was an English major, like Tony. I mean, he and I bonded about this early on. We both took Chaucer. We both took Shakespeare. We both took restoration drama. I mean, all that stuff. And so when I I majored in English and I minored in art, and when I graduated, I had no job prospects. I kind of interviewed for what they called editorial assistants. I knew I wanted to be an editor. I mean, that was sort of always in my head. Editorial assistants, which are really secretaries. But The older sister of a friend of my sister's was working as an editor at the American Psychological Association, which published all these journals. And she, Old Girls Network, got me a job there. And so I edited there a very technical journal. Funnily enough, was a statistical journal, which, of course, I have total math anxiety. I never was any good at math, but (laughs) I just sort of kept my nose down. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then I thought, yeah, enough with this. I quit my job and became a ski bum for about a year and a half. I moved to Vermont, and I was a waitress and a bartender, part-time bartender, and served breakfast in the morning, skied all day, served dinner or bartended at night, went out and partied, woke up, served breakfast in the morning, skied all day, wow. you know, kind of like again. that. Right. That sounds yeah. amazing. Um, <laughs> it's all with just kind of one big loop. Yep. And so I did that for like a year and a half, and then I got bored with that. I missed urbanity. I missed ethnic restaurants. I missed mass transportation. I mean, I was driving up and down these snowy mountain passes in a lousy car in Vermont, and I just wanted to come home and actually get on a bus or a subway. So I came home and was jobless for a while, then went back to American Psychological Association, edited some books, then quit that job after about a year and a half, Then I freelanced for a while, and then a friend of mine who was an art director at the Washington Post called me and said, they're looking for makeup editors at the Post. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know, sure, I'd I'd love to interview. Did I have any idea what a makeup editor was? I was just going to ask that question. What is that? Because I've never heard (laughs) that term, yeah. Had I ever had a journalism course in my life? Not a single one. (laughs) So... I went to this bookstore right near George Washington University that had this big journalism section in it. 
And I bought about 10 books on journalism and makeup editors. And in fact, then, in olden times, the Washington Post and many newspapers were put out in hot type. I mean, there were linotype machines. There were not computers. And so I had to learn sort of all of the technical language involved. Like what I called a photo caption was a cut line in newspaper ease. So I did my own crash course in that. And then, it's funny, Tony and I started almost the exact same time, 1979, and he was this highly recruited star from the New York Times. I mean, he's told the story about Mm -hmm. being wined and dined by Ben Bradley and Sally Quinn. He's being wined and dined, and I am part-time on-call makeup editor, which is sort of like being a sewer rat. I mean, my (laughs) my hours were either... 5.30 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. or 7 p.m. to 3 a.m. Wow. And I was just down in the bowels of the Washington Post with all these pressmen and linotypers and printers. And it was stoking hot because linotype is hot metal Mm. and inky. I mean, people laugh about how I always wear black. That's why I always wear black because I would come home covered in ink. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I'm doing I was doing that and I actually really loved it and was kind of good at it because I'm good at multitasking, which is why I was a good bartender because mm-hmm. I could like make this drink with my left hand, clean glasses with my right hand, keep somebody talking, take care of the wait staff on the sure. end of the bar. Yeah. You know, I good at that. And so that was sort of being a makeup editor. I mean, you had to juggle a lot of personalities sure. and a lot of various parts of newspapers, the headlines, the cut lines, the body of the type. Was it set on the right measure? Was it set on the wrong measure? You had to clear pages. You had to... You kept A1 for the last second because that's where the last-minute changes were made. But you had to get all these other pages out of the way so that the presses could start to run. I mean, you you really were at the bottom of this enormous funnel of news coming down to the composing room every night. So I did that, I think, about nine months. I'll make this long story really short. Then I got a job on the editorial page for a couple of years, editorial and op-ed, and I really liked that, too. But it was very separate from the newsroom, as it should be, because it's the opinion side of a newspaper as opposed to the news side. Yep. Mm. But there was Tony kind of, and all these people my age sort of circling out there in the newsroom, and we all kind of got to know each other. And we were like youngest people in the newsroom. And, you know, when Tony and I (laughs) complain now about people in the Post and stories, I think they were complaining about us back then. You know, right. we were the ones, this little brat pack. Yeah. So anyway, so we got to know each other. We had mutual friends. You know, we would go out after work sometimes. And after I left, I was on the editorial page for about two and a half years. I like to move around a lot, as you may have guessed. I like to kind of not stay in one place too long because then they kind of find out your weaknesses. <laughs> sure. Um, That's a great way to put it. I know. Then I moved to, I I was an editor on the Sunday Magazine, and Tony was in sports then, and I think he was also writing for style. And so he and the then editor of the magazine dreamed up this idea to have this story 
that the Washington Senators, the former baseball mm-hmm. team, were returning to Washington. And there was this big announcement one day in the Sunday magazine, the Senators are back. And Tony concocted this whole cast of characters, this scenario, you know, the grizzled bench coach, the ace pitcher, he gave names to everybody. Well, (laughs) I like to look back and say we were the godparents of fake news. (laughs) I mean, letters to the editor were just like, how dare you? We really thought the team was coming back. We really thought these were real people. (laughs) I just want to say, really, in a weekly magazine, you think we're making up games, we're making up box scores. I mean, anyway, so I edited him some then, and then I went to the style section for a while, and Tony was writing a column in style, I think once a week and twice a week in sports, and so I edited Tony then, and then the deputy sports editor left, and Tony went to George, the sports editor, and said, you ought to get Jean to come over and be the deputy sports editor. I didn't know any of this was going on, of course, and so then George asked me, and I was like, oh, God, you know, I don't know. I mean, George had this reputation as just being this grueling, unrelenting boss, which he is and was, but entirely lovable and great and a great role model at the same time. So after he wooed me for a little bit, I went to sports, and then I was deputy sports editor for, I think, nine years, and that's the longest I ever stayed in any job. And so Tony and I really then became very close, and I edited him every day, and we did the bandwagon deal. I don't know if you guys go back that far. Mm. And then, God, I got him to Olympics. I got him to Super Bowls. I had to fly on planes with him, you know, all of that stuff. <laughs> you had um, to. <laughs> well, maybe we could save that for part oh, two, there's got to be some good stories good. there. <laughs> I mean, we've been friends now for, what is that, 43 years? Wow. Yeah, 43 years. Wow. That's so amazing. So I have to go back real quick. So you're just saying you went to a bookstore, you bought seven books, obviously you read them, and then you got the job. That was your training. Yep. Wow. (laughs) No journalism, never had a journalism, didn't really know what a lead was, didn't know what a nut paragraph was. I mean, I knew who, what, where, when. Right. Okay. But, you know, a baptism by fire for sure. Right. Come home every night, and maybe you guys have been here. I would come home every night. I would say to my husband, "I can't do this job. Yeah, I, I can't do this." Yeah, but you know, you just keep doing it. Yep. I don't know what you're talking about. I never <laughs> do that to Roxy. <laughs> right. Well, because one other important advice I got from my mom was, "Don't bite the hand that feeds you." Yeah. So yep. it's like I know obviously when you're talking to your husband or your spouse or whatever, you want to bite the hand that feeds you. But you want, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's, oh, I can't go back. I can't do this. And yeah. Like, yeah. No, I totally understand. Now, what was the term again? I, I'm so sorry. I was not taking good notes. I know it's not sub-editor. What was the term? Makeup editor. Makeup editor. Makeup I, editor. I've never heard that before. Yeah, um, you just, it was really assembling all of the pieces of the puzzle. They sent down dummies, which was a sketch of the page. Mm-hmm. And so you had to make sure that the lead was fire, that the off-lead was politics, that the story across the bottom was the column from the Metro columnist. I mean, that the right headline was on the right story. Yeah. And again, it was all in metal. You have to read it backwards. It was mirror reading. Yes. 
And actually, I was good at that. I think it's because I'm left-handed. Maybe oh. I don't know. I always oh. say, well, that's because I'm left-handed. But anyway, maybe it was because I'm left-handed. But I could kind of read backward, and I could catch typos in hot metal. And it was a union shop, so we, the editors, were not allowed to touch anything. We had to say to a printer, mm-hmm. could you please, a story would run long, and we would say, could you please remove this paragraph, and could you please remove this paragraph? Mm-hmm. And they would literally lift up right. a paragraph of linotype of, say, 10 lines of linotype and put it aside on a galley and this paragraph would be lifted up but we could point to it and actually touch it we'd have to say point like above it because you know respected the union yeah 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 we we have similar situations in theater actually i was just gonna say not to bring up a sore subject but with the whole like having to mirror read and kind of see everything backwards, but be able to translate it in your brain. That's very similar to like in the dance world, being a swing or understudy, you have to know both sides, all sides, inside and out, backwards and forwards. And during the pandemic, all like dance classes were on Zoom. And so, and Zoom would not really understand dancing. So if you were teaching, you would have to reverse everything and be able to do it on the spot. So it sounds like a very similar skill. Oh, and you would have to say, put your right foot forward, but But actually put your left foot forward. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And just do it on the spot. Like I'm, I still to this day, since in the last two years, I have no idea what foot is which because (laughs) all the teaching and all the (laughs) classes, just like, it's so confusing, but you just kind of figure it out because you have to. And Jane, I don't even know if the listeners know this about me. Some of them do that. I'm also in stage management. And that's a big thing you're talking about. The union workers is backstage. One of our main jobs is to keep everyone safe. Yep. But we are not allowed to touch anything. No. Uh, a set piece, that, that has to be the, the crew on yeah. stage. We can tell them that has to go here. Move that here. Right. Right. But you're not allowed to touch anything. Yeah. It's kind of crazy because it's annoying. And yeah. I think that is really, I'm sure I'm not telling you anything you don't know. That is really one of the challenges of being a manager. Absolutely. Is being able to say that to them and not have them look at you yeah. and say, jump off the roof. Right. Right. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that being a woman was not Mm -hmm. made easier by doing that. Right. Uh, You know, it's funny because in the composing room, it was 99.9% men, Mm -hmm. especially the printers. And I think that what I did, which some of my predecessors had not done, was I would go to them and I would say, what should I do? I don't know what to do here. What would you do? How would you fit five pounds of linotype in a two and a half pound hole that's there for the linotype. And they would show me how to do it. I mean, I couldn't physically do it, but they would say, okay, let's back up. Let's trim this photo down. Let's push this up. And so I was eternally grateful to them. But I think that maybe a man wouldn't have done that, would have tried to just kind of tough it out on his own. Sure. So, I would say, it, it, yes, it worked against me, but it, it worked for me, too. And sure. I don't mean in the way that I flirted with these guys right. or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. It was just honest enough and just uninvested in the profession enough to say, what the heck should I do now? Right, right. right. All right, well, listen, we've got so much more to get into. Please tell me you can stick around, right? Oh, well, I have to teach a class at MIT in a few minutes. <laughs> but other than that, I'm free. <laughs> Did someone set you up for that? <laughs> no. Okay. All right. All you loyal littles, we'll be right back. 
This is Cool Aunt Claire Natola, and you too are cool because you're listening to the Loyal Littles podcast on the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast and luckiest of days, Roxy. Yep. Jean McManus is here with us. We've been getting to know her, mm-hmm. which we, we didn't know. I mean, obviously, we know a lot about her from the big show, but we've heard some things already. We need to get in. First of all, Jean, I think you should rethink this whole musical theater or just theater in general thing. Because you brought up some good points, and I, I took some notes as you were talking. And uh-huh. you, talking about how you were doing these crazy hours from 7 to 3 a.m., you wear all black. Mm-hmm. I mean, that sounds like a crew person to me. I mean, yeah. that's our time of day. Yep. Seven, you get uh-huh. to work around 6.37 p.m., you yep. do the show, then afterwards then you you're wound up, so you go out. <laughs> you're wearing black if you're working backstage or as yep. a stage manager, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I just think it's a good fit for you. I think you should reconsider <laughs> <laughs> um, and also something I don't even know if the listeners knew about that. I'm sure I brought it up at some point. Now, it's funny. This is amazing how you were like, never took a journalism class in my life. We were very fortunate. My senior year in high school, you know, when you have those times, because I was explaining this to Roxy one day, where as a senior, you don't need as many credits to mm-hmm. graduate. You'll have some right. space. Right. So we had two things in my high school, which were really cool. We had, they were called senior privileges. And if you could figure out a way to work it out where you could schedule a study hall first period or last period you could actually come to school late and not get in trouble. Or you could leave school early. So if you wanted to go to a job, whatever. And uh, so that was cool. But the other thing is we had all these electives in the English department. And one of them was journalism. So I actually took a journalism class my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. And you know how they always say, if if you would do something different, I always say that that would be it. Because I absolutely loved it. We got to do like, we called it like a Saturday Night Live weekly news sketch. Mm -hmm. Now this is when Uh we had VCRs and they would tape us and then they would play it in the lobby of the school once a week for the weekly newscast. And we all rotated. Like one week you got to be the anchor, one you were the producer, the director, the editor, you know, and that's, I mean, it was such a valuable course to take. Mm -hmm. And if I may pat myself on the back, I was good at it and I loved it. And so you learned, so this was all TV journalism, right? Correct. Yes. Correct. This was not the school newspaper. Yeah. All the terminology and all of that stuff, which is so helpful. Well, this, it was mainly because of the teacher. Yeah. Shout out Connie Malone, one of the best English teachers. To this day, she's one of my all-time favorites. And it was because she wanted to teach the class. You know, it was one of these where I think they went around. It wasn't the school, I don't think. It was Mm -hmm. her saying, like, this this could be a valuable thing for them, especially for the kids that work on the school newspaper that want to go into this. Because, of course, I'm a little bit older. And, you know, so back then (laughs) that was still a thing. And it wasn't digital yet and all that stuff. So she was like, this could be a valuable thing. And it was such a great class. And I'll never forget, I got one of the best scoops, Jean. It was, uh, well, it was one of these things where the school, we had a walkout. Like the students oh. just decided to walk out. And Good for you. Yeah, it was over something with the superintendent. And mm-hmm. uh, all I remember is he had to come and they finally got us calmed out. Well, let me back up. So they all walked out. I ran to the journalist class, got the video. What do you call those? Camcorder. Camcorders. <laughs> and it was the size of a microwave. Absolutely. Yeah. On my shoulder. Yeah. Yep. And so I'm, I got video of the kids walking out then because I was also on the stage crew because I kind of knew I was going into theater. Mm-hmm. We had access to the stage where we got onto the roof of the school. And I've got shots of oh, from wow. the roof of the school of the kids in the parking lot as they were walking out. So and then one of the guys held it. And so I became the news anchor. And I'm like, <laughs> hi, I'm live from, you know, Ichabod Crane High School in Valencia, you know. But then when they called us all down, they, the superintendent agreed to talk to us. And answer questions. So they filed us all back into the auditorium. Mm-hmm. And I was in the front row. 
and he saw me with the camera and he actually came. He's like, please turn that off. I won't talk if you turn this off wow. or until you turn it off. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But then I held it on my lap and I put my finger <laughs> over the red light and I hit record. <laughs> so I had the whole. <laughs> like, I mean, sneaky. you and Mike Wallace of your high school. <laughs> kind of exciting. Cool. It is exciting. So any of you out there, I mean, seriously, journalism, it's a cool thing. There's so many different aspects of it. Yeah. So anyway, enough about us. They're going to want to know, are you able to? And if you can't, we understand. But are there any flying stories that you can share? <laughs> oh, oh, my God. Well, of course. I guess the most notable one is the trip to Norway for the Lillehammer Olympics, because that was the longest. Right. And I would just say this, that Tony knows when to start taking drugs. He, he waits till he's in the air because he doesn't want to take them too early because then if the flight's delayed, like, you know, he's his lead body. But getting him off the plane that morning in Oslo, it was sort of like, you've ever seen a horse that's been sedated by a vet (laughs) because something had to be done to them? Uh Um, It was like leading a semi-sedated horse down a ramp into Oslo. So he's really not that hard. The hard part is beforehand. The hard part is the weeks and weeks and weeks before he knows he's... Oh. In fact, I would say the only fight Tony and I ever, ever had was about a week before we were supposed to leave for Lillehammer. I mean, Lillehammer, Tanya and Nancy, it it was made for Tony. It was made. I go into his office and he says to me, just kind of off the cuff, I'm not going to Lillehammer. There was something on his desk that I picked up and threw at him. And I said, F you, and walked out of his office. And I was so mad because, A, I knew how much fun he'd have and how much fun I'd have. And, B, I knew who was going to replace him if he didn't go. And it was not a fair exchange at all. So He was going to be replaced by someone who could not carry the load of an Olympics. I just knew that. So about 10 minutes later, George comes out of his office and says, "Um, I think you better go back and um, apologize to Tony and talk to him about going to Lillehammer and maybe not throw anything at him this time. (laughs) Um, And so anyway, on the plane, it's not that bad. I mean, you've heard him on the show. Weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And, and his his best friend, the socialite, Alan Bubis, is always trying to get him to come down to Florida. Mm-hmm. And Tony will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the last minute, he'll cancel because he's afraid of getting on the plane. Yeah. So if he didn't go, if, say he just decided I'm not going, does that mean you wouldn't have gone or you would have had to go with this other guy? Or did he have his own? Oh, idea? no. I, I would have. Uh, no, I was all in. I mean, I, that was okay. my job. I, right. I had to go. And yeah. I... I only had to go with somebody who, I mean, I loved the people I went with. But if Tony hadn't gone, there would be one person who would have been a whiner, a complainer, who would have said, it's too cold on that mountain. I don't want to go up there. I mean, now, that's Jean, be what honest. I would have been. Are you talking about Wilbon? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh. I'm not talking about Wilbon. <laughs> I'm talking about someone from... Nobody in sports would ever do that. I was talking about somebody from another section. Gotcha. Who was 
dying to go and would have taken Tony's credential in a heartbeat, would have been a diva the entire time. The great thing about sports writers is actually there are no divas. There really aren't. I mean, Tony may sound like a diva, but if he needs to do something, he knows he needs to do something. Right. And we'll do it. Now, another quick interesting thing, because I didn't even think to ask this. Now, how many people did you edit? It wasn't just Tony then, obviously, right? Oh, no. I think the the staff was maybe about, including part-timers and high school staff, maybe about 40 reporters. And no, there was this editing pod. It was me and Tracy Hamilton and Steve Berkowitz and a couple of other editors. And you just edited whatever popped up on your computer. I mean, there were no specialties back then. They've changed the structure now. There's an NBA editor and an NHL editor. But Uh, back in the day, you had to be a jack of all trades. I mean, I had to know about horse racing. I had to know about ice skating. I had to know about Plan B free agency. Mm. I had to know about salary caps. Now, did Tony occupy a big chunk of my time? (laughs) Yes. But the thing about Tony is he'd come in at 10 o'clock in the morning. We'd go down and have coffee for 45 minutes. We'd talk out the column. Mm -hmm. He'd go into his office, and this is sort of all before the radio stuff. He'd get going on the column. I'd come in at about 1 o'clock or 2 o'clock work on it a little more with him, he'd finish it up, and he'd file his column like by 5.30 or 6. And that was well before the tidal wave of the rest of the sports section began to hit. So I had him signed, sealed, and delivered, and packed up and on his way home to 20015 before the rest of the copy hit my desk. Right. So interesting. So cool. Yeah, because like I said, we only hear about the stuff from the TK show, yeah. and it's, uh, wow, that's so great. All right, and lastly, before we get to our fun, dumb questions, which we're always excited about, we didn't go into, I mean, we kind of assume, but can you go into your fandom? Like, what's your favorite sport, teams, that stuff? Well, I would say right now, it's the Nats, even though I'm not optimistic about their bullpen. <laughs> I'm not optimistic about Mr. Soto staying with us much longer, but... I grew up, of course, with another baseball team, the Washington Senators. So that got me hooked on baseball pretty early. I was growing up a very big fan of the Washington football team. I always say that my interest in sports started because I grew up in a one TV household Mm -hmm. and my father watched sports. And so if we wanted to watch TV, we watched Friday night boxing, we watched Senators games, we watched football games, but especially when I came to sports in 1991, that was the Joe Gibbs era. Mm. And that was just a really fun, exciting time to be a football fan in Washington. And it's hard to look back on those wonderful years and look at what we've got now and think of it as even the same universe. But Yeah, I have to say, I kind of pivoted away from sports when the pandemic first began. I'm not sure why. I just, I don't know, everything seems sort of meaningless. So I was like, sports, what is that? Right. Um, (laughs) But now, but I'm coming back now. I'm coming back. Like, I totally was into the round of 16 with the NCAA. Right. Not early on. But And same with the NFL playoffs this year. I got into this sort of critical games. Now, Roxy and I are big baseball fans, so I'd love to hear, because, of course, I, luckily from a listener, I'm sitting here 
looking at my Teddy Baseball signed picture in him in his Washington Senators coat, I guess he was wearing, you know, from when he was the manager there before they left. And oh, yeah. So can you go into that a little bit? Like, what was it like? Because I when they just up and left and then what it was like when they came back. OK, so it was it was so much fun when they were here growing up. I mean, when I say this, you're going to think that I'm like Eleanor Roosevelt or something. But my sister, older sister Anne and I used to take the streetcar to the senator's games. I mean, that's how long ago it was. Mm. And there was this, I mean, it was much like what happened to Baltimore when the cults were stolen from them. We were just so deceived. We were so robbed. The senators went to Minnesota and became the twins, and we were going to get the expansion team. And so we get the expansion team that was owned by Bob Short. And I can't remember even how long that expansion team was here. It was only, seems like only a couple of years. And he literally just picked them up and took them to Texas. And all of a sudden, there is nothing. And, it, you know, it was just it totally jobbed us. And when I came to sports, I learned this one lesson you never walked in and with an earshot of George said, you know, I think it's going to be a slow news day <laughs> because George would somehow come up with a story that Washington was going to get a baseball team. I mean, we ran more stories that Washington was going to get a baseball team for 10 years before Washington got a baseball oh, wow. team. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, when they came back, of course, they were lousy at first, but it was so great. You know, we were all driving up to Baltimore to see the O's, and the, that was fine then because, of course, you had Cal Ripken, and yeah, they that were, was they were pretty good. a great story. But it was so nice not to have to drive up 95 <laughs> Baltimore to see a baseball game. Right. Yeah. Now, if I may, I'm going to loop it back around to this whole musicals thing that you have. You're so ant. Now, really, not even damn Yankees. They wrote a show about your baseball team. You didn't like it? I remember my parents going to see that play at the national. I think it was at the National Theater. Sure. I think it, it it started here before it went to New York. Probably, mm -hmm. yeah. And my father was in love with Gwen Verdon when yeah. he came home, and never seen about Gwen Verdon. Yeah. So I have to say, I kind of do have an affinity for that play, and certain others like Guys and Dolls, sure, stuff like that. But you know, my dear friend Bill Isaacson tried to convert me and he got me and David tickets to South Pacific and he and his wife very kindly took us to South Pacific. <laughs> David had had shoulder surgery and so we left at the first intermission. And <laughs> That's a long one. I know. <laughs> it was Older was just too painful for yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's too bad. It, it's always funny because people always ask me, like, spouses, friends that are spouses, and they're like, oh, I want to take my husband, but he's not really into it. I always have to ask those questions, like, what's he into, la, la, la. Because right. nowadays there's lots of different styles. Sure. You know, like if you're a rock and roll music guy, you know, you're not going to take him to South Pacific. Right. You know, you're going to say superstar. You're going to say, or they're hip-hop, rap, you know, obviously and let Hamilton. let me say this. Like, I loved Hamilton. I saw oh. it when it first went to Broadway yeah. with Lin-Manuel Miranda, mm -hmm. and that really transformed my feelings about right. musicals. And I think the reason why, because then I liked In the Heights, and yep. I liked Hating Down, mm -hmm. and I think the reason is because rap is close enough to dialogue mm -hmm. that when you transition from dialogue to rap, it's not this awkward stop let me sing, oh, what a beautiful morning. <laughs> uh, 
You know, yep, that, makes, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. A lot of them, I mean, the rap is, is the dialogue. Yeah. So it morphs seamlessly from one medium to another. Right. So those three musicals, I'm a huge fan of. And I think the more I see things like that, the more of a fan I'll become. Right. right. I'm curious about shows that are where there really isn't dialogue and the dialogue that's technically there is is sung through where well, the it's like in, opera yeah, yeah it's like where the, Saigon, the entire Vida. thing yeah. Les Mis the entire thing is like Just sung through sung through yeah. so I'm curious how you would feel about that if it's like set in that one way yeah I mean I think the things that I don't like are awkward transitions sure yep. sure it's the more seamless any kind of production seems to me, yep. I mean, it's, it's like a well-edited story. Yeah. Like, things just shouldn't kind of come out of place. Like, what the heck is that paragraph doing yeah, there? Yeah, transitions you know? are important. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's a perfect way to put it, because you're yeah. right. It does get awkward. Like, all of a sudden, they stop the story, and they just sing a song. Right. Because they're singing a song, because right. it's called a musical, so right. they have to. Right. And then let's continue the story. That Yeah, I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Cool. I mean, I'm glad you're kind of getting back to it. Now, <laughs> listeners, we're running long. We don't care. We got Gene here. So we're going to get into some fun, dumb questions, if that's okay. Okay, sure. All right. What was your favorite toy growing up? Um, it wasn't dolls. I started playing basketball early on. Does that count? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, ca- Catholic schools, I will say this for Catholic grade schools, at least the ones in D.C., really emphasize sports and girls' sports. Your life was ruined if you weren't on the basketball team. And that was true of boys and girls. And we didn't have a gym at our grade school. So there was this armory a couple miles away that we took the bus to. And the girls got to practice Monday and Wednesdays. The boys got to practice Tuesdays and Thursdays. And Fridays, we had a split court. I mean, that was like 19... 60. Wow. Like decades before Title IX. But to me, I, I look back on that and I think how kind of remarkable that was that they gave it equal importance for girls and boys. And I'm a big booster of team sports for kids. I mean, I think you learn so much playing on a team. Sure. Yeah. 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 That's great. What do you think is the greatest invention of all time? Greatest invention of all time. It's not speed pass. <laughs> Uh, the the remote control, the voice remote control is a favorite of mine. Ah. But I'd have, to, I'd have to say electricity. Yeah, mm. good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Indoor plumbing would be another one. Right, one second, right. one and one A, absolutely. <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> yeah, right. That's Roxy's, right? Yep. If you could be a cartoon character for a week, who would you want to be? Now, do you assess a pattern here? Like, Roxy asks the, like, more intellectual ones, and I ask the completely stupid ones. <laughs> we have a theme here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, I maybe I would be Marge Simpson. Oh, oh, that's a first. Yeah, yeah, like she's kind of a liberated woman. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. If you were invisible for a day, what would you do? Well, right now, I would get on one of those oligarchs' yachts, mm. and I would commandeer it. <laughs> I would get on that oligarch's <laughs> yacht, and I would say. I am the captain now, <laughs> and I would take that yacht and get it as close to Ukraine as I could, and then I would try to get as many refugees as I could onto that yacht and just get everybody on there and just make themselves comfortable. Maybe we'd wind up trashing the oligarch's yacht. That 
could happen. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> get some people out of there yeah. on the Oligarch's yacht. That's How does that That's great. Yeah. And actually, maybe to go along, I don't know. What's one personal trait that has gotten you in the most trouble? Oh, man. I hold grudges. Yeah. 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 Tony and I have that in common. You know, there's a joke about Irish Alzheimer's. We forget everything but the grudges. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Yeah. I've never but, heard that yeah. before. I've gotten better as I've aged because it takes a lot of energy to hold a grudge. Yeah, it does. Sure does. And but it doesn't I, always serve yeah, you. I hold grudges. I, I, I can go way, way back with a grudge. Yeah. Well, Jean, we can't thank you enough for taking the time and, and meeting the Littles here. This has been so great. Hey, I love the Littles. I miss seeing the Littles at Chatter. It was so much fun. Yeah. Hopefully we'll all get out there soon and find somewhere. I don't know, because are you going to do Summer of Littles by any chance? Do you do those? Or I the Jingle Fest, maybe? I have done Jingle Fest. Um, okay. If they're too far out in Virginia, yeah. that's prohibitive. But uh, gotcha. yeah. But I usually have dinner with a couple of Jingle Festers beforehand, so that's oh, always that's fun. Great. Oh, nice. Well, all right, Gene. Well, thanks again. And as an homage to the big show, we'll get you out of here on this. Over or under? Well, over, of course. <laughs> of course. But I, I want to say that I grew up in a nonpartisan household where I couldn't tell you whether it was over or under. I grew up with my three siblings and parents in a three-bedroom one bathroom yep. house. Yep. Not one and a half bathrooms. No yep. little fancy bathroom any place. One bathroom. And I don't think a roll of toilet paper stayed in that bathroom more than 36 hours. So yeah. I couldn't right. tell you if it was over or under. But gotcha. on my own, the only way to go is over. Excellent. All right. All right, Jean. Thanks again for coming on the Loyal Littles podcast. We really appreciate the time. Thank you both. It was really good talking to both of you. All right, all you loyal listeners, we'll be right back. Dina and Damascus wants you to know that Chuck and Roxy add up to great fun on the Loyal Littles podcast at the WTFC Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Loyal Littles podcast, and I'm speechless. Thank you, Jean, for coming on and meeting the Littles. Roxy, what a treat for our 140th episode. That was awesome. I mean, she is lovely. Seriously, Roxy, you're going to, if we ever meet them in person, you're going to have to hold me back because Chuck's going to. Oh, I know. You're going to, they're going to have restraining orders. (laughs) And also a quick shout out to Ed Butt and Mr. Bill Isaacson because they helped greatly getting Gene on the podcast. So we really appreciate that. So what I do have to say, we do have to give a shout out to all the littles for making this show a success because if, if this podcast had flopped right out of the gate, we would have never talking to any of these bigs. None whatsoever. And thank you to all the loyal littles who've come on in the past in 140, 139 episodes to come on and meet the littles. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's always funny. I wish it was, you know, we're always referencing other episodes from other littles whenever we're trying to do that more now when we reference another little, we try to reference the episode if they've been on the podcast so people can go back. Mm-hmm. And we've had people also write in like, oh, I wish we could just search and, you know, find that episode so quickly. And I was like, you know, my best guess is I would say just go to our website. I don't know what else would be easier. Right, Roxy? Wait, what? we have a website? Of course we have a website. You didn't know we had a website? No. Oh. What? Littles. Talk about burying the lead. Chuck. We're going to call this the ultimate bury the lead moment. We've been saving this for a long time. We're very excited about this. I mean, what better way to also celebrate our 140th We had Gene McManus. Now we have a website. We are launching our website today. 
please, please, please run over. Roxy, do it right now. LoyalLittlesPod.com. That's what it is. Yes. LoyalLittlesPod.com. Go over there. Check out our website. Now, before we go any further, some major thank yous. Yeah. I mean, the Nagging of the Year Award goes to <laughs> our lovely web mistress is what we're calling her, Dina in Damascus. Dina Yagadish, we can't thank her enough. I don't know what we can say, Roxy. I mean, I know. I mean, just the time and effort and energy that she put into helping us. I mean, she built this herself. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, pretty much. She did the from whole, the I mean, ground up. Like we kept telling her, you know, oh, you don't have to do everything. And honestly, I think it was really fun for her, too. That's what it yeah. sounds like. So, so I'm happy that. We were able to give that to her and she was able to give us this beautiful website. Because it's things like this that we would love to be able to. The reason why we were so hesitant and I wouldn't allow it is because, we, you know, we're not at a place where we can pay these people yet. Right. You know, I mean, right. You know, we, do, we have very minimal funding coming in, I think, to the podcast at all. So but let's go back real quick because we also have another one and she wanted nothing to do with this. But I was like, <laughs> tough. Tough. Uh, I was just like, tough. Claire Natola. We're calling her. She's on the website as the research assistant because she actually started this whole thing, sort of. Not the website specifically, but she put together all the knowledge behind the website, I guess is how we'll say it. She made a spreadsheet of all the guests and the and the show notes and all that stuff. So she put it together. Then yeah. it was from there. It was basically, for me at least, it was just copying and pasting. So I wanted to give credit where credit was due. She's the one that took the time to do it. And she's like, oh, it was nothing. I just copy and pasted from your show notes. Well, yeah, right. it took a long time. There's a hundred and... Right. At that point, there was like 130, 135 episodes to go mm-hmm. through. And she did it all. And then Dina took it from there and ran and just did a fantastic job. We're so excited about the website. Yeah, it looks so really good. LoyalLittlesPod.com. Run over there. Check it out. You can. There's a search feature where you can just search everything. It'll pop up. So you'll be able to go you'll to their episode. The yeah. Mm-hmm. And same thing with the music. If there's a person that you remember, like today, Dante, just write Dante. And it'll come up with all his songs when he's been on the podcast and where to get his music and yep. stuff like that. There's other features and you know we have we, a use the code section. Yep. Yeah, yep. so this bury the lead moment was definitely brought to you by stickgrip.com and fogfreeeyewear.com. Fogfreeeyewear. <laughs> right. So use our code LLPod, get those products, support those people. There is also a support us section through Anchor who we distribute the podcast from. It's there. You can do it for as little as 99 cents a month. So I'm sorry, we sounded a bit flustered, but I'm very excited about this. I never We're thought We're very excited. I never Talk thought about burying the lead. <laughs> yeah, I know. I never thought it would get here. I really didn't. And thanks to these loyal listeners and loyal littles this is the ultimate littles helping littles moment that's all i can say and i have a tear in my eye all right loxy we are out of time so why don't you tell everyone how to get in touch with us all right you can email us at wtfc what are you you doing roxy what are you doing oh right i have to say something new don't i No, you just (laughs) there's one place just go there's one place go to our website LoyalLittlesPod.com. That's it. That's right. That's one place. LoyalLittlesPod. One-stop shopping. You can email us from there. You can send in music from there. You can... You can send in requests to come on and be a Meet the Littles guest. Absolutely. So just go check out the website, Mm LoyalLittlesPod.com. Everything is there. Obviously, you can go to the other places, go to our Facebook page, go to our Twitter page. It's all connected. You just go to our website and you can click on the Twitter. You can click on the Instagram. You can click. It's amazing. So... Dina and Damascus, thank you so much. Claire Natola for all your contributions. And we could not have done this without you. It's amazing. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And the one thing we can't say, obviously, though, is from the via the website is if you do listen to us over on Apple and iTunes, please don't forget to give us a rate and review. 
I don't know how to even say this from the bottom of my heart. Gene McManus, thank you so much for coming on and meeting the Littles today. It was an honor, pleasure. It was amazing. And thank you, Tony Beeson and Claire Natola and Dean and Damascus for our bumpers this episode. All right, Roxy, let's get out of here. I just don't know what to say anymore. I don't. I know, right? We don't have anything to say because this is so exciting. All that you know, sticker.com, all that fog free. It's all on the website. Everything's just on the website. It. Just go to the website, loyallittlespod.com. Go to it, people. Just do it. Bye. I am the captain now. Don't cry, don't tear, don't fall apart. When I'm near, you're all yours now, and yours now. You should stay. podcast is produced by the WTFC Podcast Network and edited by Louis B. Crocco. And the Loyal Littles podcast logo is designed and drawn by Eric Lonergan. That's me. Oh, yeah.